thousand. So there's no doubt that God was in that victory. There's no doubt that God was responsible for that victory. But you know what? The greatest battles that Gideon faced were still in front of him. When Gideon's army succeeded with God's help over every external enemy that beset them, he realized it was God. But even though God succeeded, or the Gideon succeeded with God's help over every external enemy that he faced, he failed in the battle for the inner man. The story tells us the truth, y'all, that it is very possible for people, for Christians, to live a very good life only to see it end up a failure. It's very possible for you and I as believers on the Lord Jesus Christ to live a good life, to accomplish a whole lot for God, only to end up a failure. You see, how we finish the race is just as important, if not more, than how we run our race. You can live a good life, and you can undo all the good things you've done by one or two foolish decisions. So as we look at the final days today of Gideon's life, we're going to see that Gideon faced temptations and count them Three areas of life. And those temptations in those three areas of life reveal both sides of Gideon's character. He succeeded in one area, and I mean real good. 300 versus 135,000. But he failed miserably in the other two areas of his life. So here's the question that I pose to every one of you today. After learning from Gideon today, how will you finish? And we don't know when the end's coming. It may be today, it may be next month, it may be next year. It could be who knows how many years from now. How will you finish? Will you finish as a success or will you finish a failure? The first temptation that Gideon faced was a secular or a worldly temptation. Now on page 225 in the Bibles in front of you, I'd love for you to follow along as I inch through this passage. It's in Judges chapter 8 beginning in verse 22. That's on page 225 in the Bibles in front of you, Judges chapter 8 beginning in verse 22, and I'm just going to begin with the first two verses. In verse 22, the scriptures tell us that the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us. Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson. They were offering him a perpetual kingdom. 
For you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But look at what Gideon said. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Gideon was making the right call. He was telling God's people, the Lord shall rule over you. So God's, make, God's people basically make a very simple request of Gideon. The people are so impressed with Gideon's victory, what do they do? They say, hey, we want you to become our king. We want you to be our leader for this generation, the next one, the next one, and the one after that. We want you and your family to lead us. Now, we also see this in the life of Jesus. You remember it. He took those five small loaves of bread, and he took those tiny little fish, and Jesus miraculously fed over 20,000 people with that food. But the reason that Jesus did that is he wanted his disciples and he wanted the crowd to recognize him for who he really was. Jesus wanted them to recognize that he was the son of God, that he was the bread of life. But Jesus wouldn't be seen that way. How did the crowd see Jesus? Well, the crowd saw a man that would give them some food. Amen. He saw a man who could feed them. And so they tried to make Jesus their king by force. But Jesus just slipped away from them because even though he was a king, amen, as he was a king, he was not going to wear that crown until he had paid the price for sin on the cross. But you know, the people of Israel back in Gideon's day, in Jesus' day, and even today, are about the same. They're about the same. Here's the way we look at it. The person that can give me what I want is who I want to lead me. The man or the woman who can give me peace, who can give me success, who can give me security, the person that can give me wealth, that's the one I want to lead our nation. Amen? Are we not the same? But listen, sometimes, sometimes we must stand against things even if we have to stand alone. Sometimes we must stand against things even if we must stand alone. And so what, let's see what, God, what Gideon did. God's man basically refuses their request. The people of Israel, they should have been thanking God for the victory they just witnessed. They should have been praising God for his mighty power revealed. They should have been worshiping him for the victory that they'd seen through Gideon. But they failed to see that Gideon was just an instrument. He was only an instrument that it was God Almighty that was wielding the weapon. It was God, not Gideon. And so what does Gideon do? Gideon refuses their offer and he reminds them that they are to worship God and God alone. We don't ever worship our pastors, our preachers, our leaders, our presidents. No, we worship God and God alone. He's the one who leads us and uses instruments. 
And you know that still works today. Think about this. Do you know that a majority is not always right? We see that in our country today, don't we? That the majority is not always right. Did you know it was the majority that cried out, crucify him the day Jesus died? Did you know that it was the majority that tried to throw Jesus off a cliff in Nazareth after he preached in the synagogue? Did you know it was the majority of God's people who refused to obey God and enter the promised land? The majority ain't always right, y'all. Amen? So just because everybody's doing it don't mean that it's right. Young people, listen up. Just because somebody's messing around with drugs, just because somebody's messing around with alcohol, just because somebody's messing around with adultery, don't make it right. Just because somebody's messing around with pornography, with lying, with stealing, and with other wicked things, don't make it right. We need to know that and we need to teach that. That means sometimes, like Gideon, you are just going to have to say no. Sometimes you're going to just have to say no. Why? Because God saved us and he expects us to yield to his will for our lives. He expects us to live and teach as saved people. Amen? So that means sometimes you're going to have to say no. Sometimes you're going to have to say no to your friends. Sometimes you're going to have to say no to your family. Sometimes you're going to have to say no to your government. And you know what? Sometimes you're even going to have to say no to yourself. Saying no. God, help us to have the backbone to say no to anything that tempts us to go against your will. Amen? Sometimes you got to say no. And so Gideon faced secular or worldly temptation, but he also faced spiritual temptation. Let's continue in verse 24. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you. Hmm. That each of you would give me earrings from your plunder, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And so the people of God answered, We will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment, and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. And then Gideon took that gold and he made it into an ephod. We'll get there in a second. He made it into an ephod and set it up in the city of Ophrah. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. So, while Gideon refuses the offer to become king of all of God's people, Gideon does make one itty-bitty little request. Amen? Here Gideon has just weathered a great temptation. 
But in his very next breath, he betrays his words by his actions. Gideon didn't want dominion over God's people, but he might take a little donation from God's people. Amen. On the one hand, Gideon exalts God and reminds them that the Lord should rule over them. But on the other hand, Gideon gives in to this temptation for wealth. He turns down one temptation only to yield to another. But I want you to notice how God's people respond. For they respond pretty quick. The people don't even hesitate. They spread out this blanket and they cough up 57 pounds of gold. Now, I figured out what that would be at today's price. That would be $1.5 million worth of gold that God's people coughed up for Gideon. But do you remember just 20 little verses back when Gideon was coming through the town and he asked them for some bread as they go went to, to fight the enemy? They wouldn't even give the troops some bread. But now they see the victory and they cough up all this gold. Boy, God's people can sure be hypocrites sometimes, can't they? Can't they? As we look in the mirror. So let's not be too hard on them, okay? Let's not be too hard because how often have you and I jumped on somebody's bandwagon only to find out later that it really kind of dishonored God? So anything that we do, anything that we say, should be properly and fully backed up by the will of God and by the word of God. That's who we are. Amen. So what were the results of Gideon's kind of inappropriate request? Well, Gideon took that 57 pounds of gold and he made this giant golden ephod out of it. Now, an ephod is basically a sleeveless vest that was used in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now that sounds pretty noble, right? Let's build the, let's build the high priest uh, a golden ephod to wear. Amen? I mean, what's the big deal about making a golden sleeveless vest for the high priest? Well, we're told that Israel played the harlot with it. We're told that God's people cheated on God with it. In other words, God's people stopped worshiping God and they started worshiping this golden ephod that Gideon had made. And that golden ephod basically represented the victory that Gideon had won. Listen, y'all. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Beware of anything. Beware of anything that hinders your worship of God. Beware of your couch if it hinders your worship of God. Beware of your hobbies if it hinders your worship of God. Beware of your job if it hinders your worship of God. Beware of sports 
if it hinders your worship of God. Beware of a virus if it hinders your worship of God. Beware of the trials you face if they hinder your worship of God. Because those things, friend, can lead to idolatry. You will make idols out of those things and ultimately you may desert the Lord your God. Beware. So no matter how right it seems, if it's not according to God's word, it's not from Him. No matter how many people are doing it. So, Gideon builds this golden ephod. What's the reason? Why did he build this ephod made of gold? Why on earth would Gideon, God's man, do this thing? Well, we're not really told specifically. But one thought is this. While Gideon didn't want to be the king, he did want to be the spiritual leader of the nation. It makes him wonder, did he think there was more power being the spiritual leader than there was in being a king? After all, the Lord spoke to Gideon. The Lord called Gideon from a farmer to a warrior. God used Gideon in a miraculous way. Maybe he thought that he was qualified to lead all of God's people as they worshipped the Lord. But here was the problem with that. Gideon was not of the family of Aaron. That means Gideon was not a priest. So there was no way that he could do that job. In fact, Gideon was even leading people away from worshiping God in the tabernacle to leading people to worship this golden ephod. Would a priest do that? Of course not. Gideon was flat wrong. And how many of you know that it's never right to do wrong? It's never right to do wrong. Say that with me. It's never right to do wrong. So we're told that this ephod, this golden ephod became a snare to Gideon and to all of his household. That word snare, it reminds us of a trap. Amen. So we know that Satan used this ephod as a trap to destroy Gideon's testimony. He wasn't God's man after all, was he? After all, he was leading God's people away from worshiping in the tabernacle. So listen, be careful what you do. Be careful what you do in this life because many things seem so innocent. They seem so innocent on the surface, but they can be tools and they can be traps of the enemy to destroy your influence and destroy your testimony. So before you go embracing somebody's cause, before you jump on the latest bandwagon, before you start acting on the latest good idea, you make sure to ask yourself at least a couple of these questions. Questions like, how's this going to affect my life? How might this affect the lives of others? 
especially those little ones who are watching me all the time. How will this honor God? How might this affect my church? How might what I'm considering doing affect the church's testimony in our community? Oh, you go to Bethel and you're acting like that. Oh, you go to Bethel but you talk like that. Oh, you go over there to Bethel but you're doing this? Let us be careful what we do. Because many people call themselves Christians. Many people call themselves Christians, yet these same people stand in opposition to the things of God. They call themselves a Christian, yet they find themselves on the wrong side of God's will. In issues like abortion. In issues like alternative lifestyles. They find themselves on the wrong side of God's will. Beware. Many of these people commit a whole lot of sin because of self-will. They're going to do what they want to do. A lot of people commit sin because of self-worship. Hey, I'm not going to be worshiping God any more than I worship myself. Right? Be careful. Be careful, friend, what you do. Because Gideon lost his testimony. Why? Because he failed to keep God first in his life. You'll fail if you don't keep God first in your life. That can happen to anyone, any person in this room if you don't keep God first in your life. For the true Christian, God, God's will, God's word, and God's worship must be first. Are you hearing me, church? God, God's word, God's will, and God's worship must be first in your life. So Gideon faced this secular temptation, this worldly temptation. But Gideon also faced that spiritual temptation. Finally, we see that Gideon faced a social temptation. Let's continue and finish reading, beginning in verse 28. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more and the country was quiet for 40 years in the day of Gideon. Then Jerubael, that is Gideon, the son of Joash went and he dwelt in his own house. Now Gideon had 70 sons. 70 sons who were his own offspring for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age. And he was buried at the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah of the Abizrites. And so it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made, the ba made Baal Bareth their God. And thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord, their God, 
who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubael, Gideon, in accordance with the good that he had done for Israel. So Gideon weathered this secular temptation successfully. But he failed miserably in that spiritual temptation. And he also failed miserably in this social temptation. You see, Gideon was a bit of a celebrity. We know a lot of celebrities in our day, don't we? Well, Gideon was a bit of a celebrity. And as a result of being a celebrity, there were certain temptations that came his way. There were temptations like wealth and power and glory and being famous. And how many of you know that great success can lead to great defeat? Amen? I can give you a testimony whom you're looking at right now to a man who made hundreds of thousands of dollars in his day only to squander it on selfish things and you put money in the hands of a fool and what happens? Blow it. What appears like a great success in all reality ain't nothing but a great defeat. So Gideon was a celebrity, but you see Gideon was also a compromiser. Gideon was not only a celebrity, Bill Barlow was a compromiser. I mean, Gideon was a compromiser. Amen. We're told that Gideon had many wives. Now, my first question is, who in their right mind would want to do that? Amen. Now, we don't know how many wives that Gideon had, but we know that it produced 70 kids, 70 sons, and there was probably a lot of daughters in the mix too. But those marriages produced 70 sons. And so you just do the math. That's a lot of wives. Amen. But apparently a large number of wives was not enough because Gideon even had a concubine. He had a mistress on the side. The man had lost his brain. Amen. And you know we read a lot about polygamy in the Bible. And in fact during this time God did not support polygamy in any shape, form, or fashion, but Israel, God's people, kind of tolerated it. In fact, anywhere that you find polygamy in the Bible, you know what else you find? Problems. A lot of polygamy and a whole lot of problems. Just think about the lives of Abraham. Just think of David, problems. Just think of Jacob, problems. Just think of King Solomon, 600 wives and 6 million problems, amen. So apparently Gideon believed that, he, that the law no longer applied to him. In other words, rules for thee but not for me. Does that sound familiar? It's the same thing we're going through today. When we believe that we can do as we please, regardless of the cost to God, regardless of the cost to others, we are deceiving ourselves. There is always, friend, a price to pay for disobedience. Always. And as a result of Gideon becoming this compromiser, Gideon also became a casualty. 
In the end, this great man, Gideon, lost his testimony. He lost his influence. And ultimately, he lost his family. Let me expand on that. After he died, Israel returned to doing evil in the sight of the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us that they returned to the worship of sacrificing children to this false god Baal. Can you imagine? When Gideon died, the Bible says that he was immediately forgotten by the very people that he had delivered. Verse 33 says, As soon as he was dead, God's people Return to worshiping these false gods. And in the very next chapter after this one, we're told that the son of his concubine, the son of his mistress on the side, who was named Abimelech, killed all 69 of his brothers so that he could become the king. And so Gideon lost his family. And he lost all that he had worked for, all the blood that was shed in the nation of Israel. Now, friends, here's the lesson for me and for you. When we walk in ways that are not God's ways, when we walk in paths that are not God's paths, there is a price to pay for you or for those around you. The way that you act toward God, the way you act towards God's people, the way you act towards God, toward God's word, or towards God's will, speaks far louder than the words you could ever speak. Be careful what you do. Be careful how you act. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you involve yourself in. Because what you do will affect those around you. Friends, the landscape of human history is littered with stories of men and women who lived relatively good lives. They lived good lives only to see it come to nothing because of one stupid decision they made. Friends, don't be a Gideon. Don't be a Gideon. You can live well and you can leave well. Amen? You can finish your race in a way that glorifies God and in a way that leaves a great testimony for those behind you. So if the Lord is speaking to you this morning about some area of your life that needs to be brought under God's control, the place to bring it under God's control is right here. This is the place to start. So how will you finish? How will you finish as a glorious success or a miserable failure? If God is speaking to you today, I want you to know that God's son Jesus can provide you with the help you need if you'll just come to him by faith, if you'll just listen to his voice. He'll help you to finish well.
He'll help you to avoid the secular temptations, the spiritual temptations, and the social temptations that beset us all. Those same temptations that caused Gideon to fall. So who would be willing to pray today? Who would be willing to pray today that God's people would yield control of our lives to God so that we can live well and leave well? Who would be willing to pray this morning? Because finishing well it happens by choice, not by chance. Who would be willing to pray this morning? Who would be willing to pray this morning? Come on up here, Henry. Come on. Come on. Uh, he's scared now. He said, if daddy ain't going to do it, I ain't doing it either. <laughs> Who's going to pray this morning for God's people to yield control of our lives? Come on, Brother Kip. Brother, if you'll start us, I'll, I'll end us, okay? Let us pray. Lord, Father God, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the week that you've given us, Lord, the, the morning, the day that you've given us, Lord. Mm. Lord, we thank you for all that you do, all our blessings, Lord. Just thank you for our church family today, Lord. Lord, our families at home, Lord. Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that you be with those that are sick, Lord. Those that don't know you this morning, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you touch them in, in, in a mighty way, Lord. Just be with their hearts today, Lord. Lord, just... Be with us, lead us, and guide us, Lord, as we move forward, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you go before us, Lord, and, and move through us and, and with us, Lord, that, Lord, that we can finish well. Hmm. Lord, that we can be more about you, Lord, that we can, Lord, just learn from the examples, Lord. Be, be that example. Be that light to others, Lord, that, Lord, that when we see you again, Lord, you'll welcome us in, in as, a, as a job well done, Lord. Lord, lead us and guide us, Lord, we ask, Lord, that, Lord, just touch us in every way in Christ's name. Mm. Father, we know.